the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Business 1440 KYCR. Golden Valley. A service of Salem Media Group. Streaming worldwide at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. On the final day of a self-imposed deadline, negotiations collapsed Friday afternoon between White House officials and congressional Democrats. President Trump says he's going to be forced to take executive actions considering that the Democrats doing the negotiating, Senator Charles Schumer and Speaker Pelosi, simply won't compromise. Tragically, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer continue to insist on radical left-wing policies. Georgia Republican Senator David Perdue warning Democrats plan a number of radical changes if they win big in November, including packing the Supreme Court with more liberal judges. Um, you know, and then they really want to get rid of the, the uh, Electoral College eventually. Now, they can't do that in the Senate alone, but they'll start that effort as well. Purdue tells the Salem Radio Network Democrats will immediately seek grant statehood to Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia. This is SRN News. Issues of human suffering and societal injustice play incessantly on every outlet around us. Yet, it seems like everywhere you turn, there are more unanswered questions and few honest explanations about why so many of our liberties are under attack. How do we regain order and a sense of normalcy? Find clear answers to the most important questions we face as a nation when you stream morality in the 21st century on Salem Now. This on-demand video discussion with syndicated media host Dennis Prager and distinguished theologian Dr. Wayne Grudem gives you a well-defined understanding about the enemies within our institutions and a vibrant roadmap to protect our God-given liberties. In Morality in the 21st Century, Dennis Prager and Wayne Grudem confront the toughest social issues of today by digging deep into religious and political history and through never-before-told personal stories provide a clear direction for a visionary future. Visit SalemNow.com to stream Morality in the 21st Century and type in the code MINNEAPOLIS for a 20% discount. That's SalemNow.com, promo code MINNEAPOLIS. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, we recognize that this school year was a little different for you with families learning how to work and learn from home together. We also recognize that this won't last forever. As you look ahead to the fall and a new chapter in your child's education, TwinCitiesTuitions.com will proudly be here to help with 50% off your students' first year at a brand new school. To see a full list of our partnering schools or for more information, visit TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Let's face it, life can get busy. Between work, trips to the cabin on the weekends, keeping your eye on the markets, with everything going on, convenience usually comes at a premium. But Business 1440 is here to make things a bit easier. With the iHeartRadio app, you can stream your favorite shows anytime, anywhere, and it's free. Download iHeartRadio from the App Store or listen online at iHeartRadio.com and stay connected with your best financial partner wherever you go. Business 1440. The Wall Street Business Network is on the air. Uh, I'm excited. This economy is on fire. It's the King Banyan Show. Let me emphasize that correlation is not causation. As an educator and former legislator, Professor Banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you. Unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Please bring on the recession. It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Now, here's King Banyan. Inflation getting higher. Well, welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440. Thank you for listening today. We've been uh, we've been in the last hour uh, covering the jobs report here on a job Saturday of the King Banyan Show. Well, there's plenty of dollars circulating uh, there, my friends. Um, lots of dollars, although perhaps fewer because unemployment insurance has run out. And as you heard at the uh, news report at the top of the hour, I listen, I listen to the feed when I'm not talking. I can hear what, what all's going on there. 
our news announcers telling you that uh, that uh, they've walked away without a deal. We're going to talk a little bit about that in this hour. I want to talk a little more about about uh, and and basically to set up why do we really concern ourselves with unemployment with the unemployment insurance piece and. Yeah, I'm going to get back to the uh, Osterholm and Kashkari piece in the in the New York Times, which is utterly stunning, um, stunning in it. So, yeah, I, I'm not even. I'm not, I don't even have a word. I don't have a word for that. Um, the we have. So we have studied for uh, uh, we have studied for quite some time the impact of the pandemic on on what's happened to to employment. Let me let me give you a repeat of what I think is what I think is happening. We are seeing the beginning of the formation of the check mark or the swoosh, which it, you can use whatever you like, where. The first uptake of jobs is going to be really fast for a couple months, and then it's going to slow down. This is the first time it got slower. Even though it got slower, if you, unless, you unless you hypothesize or postulate, or hypostulate, that was my new word. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you postulate that, that that slowing doesn't continue, that this 1.8 is the rate at which we continue to add for the next few months, we can get back to pretty near where we were very rapidly. Again, there's 9.2 million workers out of work who say they're on temporary layoff. If you do the math, five months would, uh, at 1.8 would, take you, would take, give you about 9 million back. If you got 9 million back, your unemployment rate would drop down to about 5%. That is not going to happen. Instead, instead, there's actually, you know, a second and third derivative to this curve, for those of you that, that habla calculus. Um, and, and so it is going to grow slower at a rate that will actually accelerate, okay, in, in terms of it getting slower. So it's actually going to, the swoosh is actually going to flatten out a fair amount. I think the recession will last longer than people believe, than, than, than people believe. Nonetheless, if you want to talk about a place that's gotten it right and a place that's gotten it wrong, I think you have to look at the stock market and say, well, what would... If you knew this was going to be the unemployment rate in for July of 2020, what should the stock market have been? You probably would have said, yeah, probably right about where it is right now. Because the growth looks pretty good. I will point out, however, and there's a great, great uh, uh, piece that uh, I, I tweeted to you, a tweet stream, uh, a Twitter stream from last Saturday posted by somebody in the business of helping um, franchisees in the uh, in the leisure hospitality area helping those franchise and and uh, uh, apparently helped uh, some some gym franchisees like orange theory orange is it orange theory or orange therapy i don't know um the uh, i think it's orange theory uh help them find financing help the people that operate those franchises find financing for expansions there was evidence from the Fed's senior loan officer survey that indicates that there's been a very sharp tightening of credit standards in the market today. That if you are a business trying to get a loan right now is really, really hard. I think some of this, this matches, by the way, it is almost equal in size to what happened during the great financial crisis. Yet during the great financial crisis, we had a true financial crisis. We don't have a financial crisis right now. We have a crisis that's being caused by, by a pandemic, the vaccine f of, for which 
Seems to be coming fast, but we're not sure how fast. Markets are making bets all the time on whether or not we'll have that vaccine in the fourth quarter of 2020 or in the second quarter of 2021 or maybe not till later. And the Operation Warp Speed that actually my wife wrote about in the uh, Sunday paper up here in St. Cloud last week um, has really shortened up, I believe, the time it's going to take to get to a get to a vaccine by saying that as a matter of policy, they are fine making investments to prepare for the distribution of vaccines that will in fact not work. That the marginal benefit of having the vaccine is so large that it's okay to put chips down like a venture capitalist on projects that, in fact, won't work out. And there's a lot of that going on. But I believe the other problem right now is that the Federal Reserve has so interfered with the basic functioning of credit that it's impossible for bankers to know who to lend to, at what rates, under what terms, And so they've pulled their horns in, which is what they do in every recession. This is not unusual. It's not a conspiracy. It might focus in particular on places where where the business that's being seeking financing requires a lot of foot traffic, requires a lot of people to be around. If I was a concert promoter, I don't care that I can get 1% interest rates on money I borrow to finance a tour of, of some band. I'm not, or of a, a musical, I'm not doing it. I can't, I can't be sure that I can, I can actually stage a production anywhere. So I'm, I'm rather, I'm not really all that surprised by the fact that credit is tight. But that tightening of credit does mean you're going to see more businesses fail in the near future. You are going to see a rise in the number of people who are on permanent layoff versus temporary. The question is, how fast can that happen? In honest to goodness, I think, this, I think statements by people to say, no, nah, we, we just need to go back to what we were doing in March, because that worked. And instead of, we need to do that to be sure we flatten the curve, it's, we got to do that till we have a vaccine. Well, Do you know when there'll be a vaccine? You don't. So how long is this going to last? You don't know. Understand, the national debt in this country will probably reach, assuming that a bill gets passed. We're going to talk about the bill in the next segment. Assuming a bill gets passed, call it stimulus phase four. The deficit will be $30 trillion, plus another three-plus three trillion in state and local government debt. Not good. Not bad. I mean, you can say, well, you know what? Italy does this. You know, hey, the Netherlands does, or Belgium, excuse me. Belgium actually has debt more than double, double its GDP. Yep, you're right. We're not Belgium. We're not Italy. You don't want to be Italy. I don't think you want to be Belgium either, but Belgium doesn't sound quite so bad. I posted a chart. Did you notice I posted a chart earlier this week where we just showed the decline in GDP during this pandemic recession and what it took GDP down to for a level? When was the last time you were down at that low level? In the United States... It's taken us back. We've basically given up about five, six years of growth. But in Italy, it's 20. It's not about the size of the pandemic. It's about the anemic growth that particularly the southern, the southern tier of European Union, European Eurozone countries have had since the formation of the zone. They've not grown. 
The only place that does better is Germany, and it's not again. It's not because Germany is Germany did a little better in terms of of lower death rates, mortality rates from COVID. But its decline, its decline in GDP, is smaller largely because it's the only country in Europe that has growth rates that even even remotely reach the levels we have in the United States. It's just. It's, it's crazy. So, let's get to talking about why do we need a stimulus bill? Well, not sure, but it sounds like it sounds like we're going to get it in a funny way. The sausage is being made, and we'll get to talk about it here on the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to Business 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, And when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Keeley. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as Reserve Citizen Airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And of I'm proud to serve in the United and States. And I am Air proud Air. to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. There's always a moment of truth where it's either put up or shut up. We were yelling our hearts out. Even in our weakness, even in our pain, we continue to push. I don't know where the pain went to, but all I know is that. I had what it took. I am a United States Marine. PFC Daryl Willis serves his country as a Marine. Will you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. Salem Surround partners with your business to deliver custom digital marketing solutions. Surround your target audience wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review to keep your business top of mind. Learn more at Minneapolis.SalemSurround.com. Now, back to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, Business 1440. By the way, if we hadn't mentioned, Jason's in this week while Wyatt has a couple weeks off to uh, be with family. um, And doing social distancing the Minnesota way. Go to the lake. Go to a cabin. Go on the water. Get out of the way for a while. I will be uh, social distancing on a golf course because I can't keep my drive in the fairway. So no one else has to ever worry about being around me. And King, how, five, one, two, eight, sorry, five. I didn't mean to interrupt you. How you been shooting this summer? Because this is the first time I've gotten to talk to you in a couple of months. How you been uh, playing this summer? I have had some of my best rounds and I've had <laughs> some of my worst rounds all this summer. I, I actually, I actually shot. 
I had a range in one week of 13 strokes. Oh. Um, between the best and worst scorers of the week. Unbelievable. Wow, that's 13. quite a range. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, for those of you that don't know much about golf, um, typically, uh, typ- typical golfers probably shoot, if you're a, if you're a fairly high handicap golfer, meaning you're not very good, and I'm not very good, I love the game, I just don't play it well. Um, the, um, you know, your range is usually about five, six, seven, right? Strokes, right? Instead, I've got, uh, I'm off, uh, I, I, I'm off frequently. I can have 10 stroke swings in a single weekend. And, and it's just a matter of, well, you know, so, so Jason, if I'm playing well <laughs> for like the first five holes, the rest of the round is spent thinking, okay, when's this all going to fall apart? <laughs> when's this going to all go? When's this all going to go to go to d- dust? Oh. And 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 it just it, it makes me cuckoo. Um, I make myself cuckoo over it. Um, I can hear my dad in my head. By the way, this would be dad's ninety uh, second birthday today. So oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday to your dad! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, my dad. You know, my my dad would say would always say, you know. I only played golf with him twice, and if I hit a shot in the woods, he says, "Well, you have an opportunity to hit a good shot now." <laughs> um, <laughs> and wise and, words, father. And, and wise words, right? And I, it's always in my head. It's like you you can only hit the sh- you only hit one shot at a time. Um, and I've actually gotten a little bit better about the variation this year versus other years. But th- last weekend, I don't know. I don't know what hmm. happened, but it was just it was just the swing was. It, it, it was just like it was all over the place, and mm. and and and, gotcha. and yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to know something? I'm a guy who's straight down the fairway. Yeah, you want to know something really sad? What's that? I have not played a single round yet this summer. Oh no! No, I haven't. Well, it doesn't help that I work on weekends anyway. I mean, I'm usually not in on yeah. Saturdays here at Salem, but I am covering today for Wyatt. But uh, you know, yeah. Sundays are my busy days. Uh, I'm pretty much it's a nine hour day for me here. And, you know, with COVID and everything, obviously this has been the weirdest summer of my life. I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, I haven't even gone to a driving range, King. I don't know what I'm doing with myself. I feel kind of bad about uh, it. And to think the driving range, can you keep, I think you can keep social distance at a driving oh, yeah. range. I think that's a safe, that's a safe practice. Yes, I mean, it would. not do that? Uh, I'm yeah, just lazy, so I go. guess. I don't know what my yeah, deal is. I need to get out there. Maybe I yeah. should go this afternoon. I have nothing else going we- on. <laughs> We need the sound drop of Alan Iverson saying, we're talking about practice. Because that's how I feel about the driving range. It's like it's yeah, a false sense of security. It, it always has been. Especially when you're hitting off of a mat because that's not a realistic golf shot. And also, I mean, if you think about most of the shots you're taking out in the course, you're not going to have a nice, even, flat part of land to hit off every single time. So, oh. you know, it, it's good practice, uh, no matter what Alan Iverson says, but it does lure you into a false sense of security sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm doing good on the range. I'm going to do good on the course. Eh, not really, buddy. Right, right. Uh, any, anyway, yeah, <laughs> I, my course, you never get a flat lie. I mean, that's that's kind of the challenge of the course is the, lots of side hill lies, lots of, lots of down and up. Oof. Uh, makes me and, and on the short grass which is even nuttier mm, um, wow you know if i'm in, if i'm in the rough okay i did that to myself but if if i'm in the <laughs> fairway and i and i have a funky lie it's like hey can't we fix this um this is a private course i thought i paid for that <laughs> um so anyway uh six five one two eight nine four four seven seven number to call questions and comments uh about the show today and about uh, about the jobs report and what in heck is going on in dc so let me let me let's use a few clips. This these are going to be three clips in a row. Uh, this is Secretary Steven Mnuchin. They've been negotiating for two to three weeks. They knew that the unemployment checks would run out, and now they have begun to run it run out. And indeed, one of my Twitter followers at Pound KBRS, who tweeted at me at my handle at Banyan Show, says to me, "Hey, unemployment rate will come down in August because the checks ran out." That is possible. That is possible, but usually what happens first is what happens what what happens first is you're going to actually see a bunch of people maybe hop into part-time jobs. I'm not seeing tremendous growth in the part-time field. So I I'm skeptical that someone that lost their paycheck is going to find a is going to go is going to find a job that quickly. They may 
now go back to the places they were before. But I I work with a couple nonprofits where I know we had people go out on unemployment to get the six hundred dollar payment, and uh, this the last week and this week is the week you get the knock on the door to say, uh, by the way, my checks my six hundred dollar checks ran out. What's going on? And the nonprofit sector is looking at them like, we don't have anything for you. So that search for that other job is going to take some time. Um, there can only be so many people uh, driving Instacart around town. Uh, at some point, that at some point that those jobs are going to run out, and those people are still going to be unemployed. So I, I will tell you, I would, I would bet against that. But it's pretty clear since this is the reference week. This is the week in which they will do the unemployment report survey for August. It won't get reported until after, until after Labor Day. I think that's after Labor Day. No, actually before Labor Day, the Friday before Labor Day. But on the 4th. But they will, they will in fact do the survey this week because the 12th falls on a Wednesday. So this is the week they'll do the survey. Those people are currently without the checks, and they won't get those checks this week. They're not going to, I doubt, I doubt they will backdate the money to the, to the expiration since the Republicans are pushing hard on trying to control the size of the bill. And the Democrats, I think, are pretty happy with saying, yeah, we can make the bill smaller, and when people say that's not enough, we can blame you because you're the one making the statements that there's too much money being spent. Anyway, Stephen Mnuchin and Mark Meadows, former member of the House Freedom Caucus, who is currently working as the chief of, as the acting chief of staff for President Trump, come out of a meeting. It's interesting now. They basically the Senate, Mitch McConnell, has basically said, "You can negotiate with them. You can go stand in front of the cameras." Not, I'm not going out to have those conversations anymore. So you get Schumer and Pelosi representing the Democrat side, and you now have Mnuchin and Meadows representing the Republican side. And this was on Thursday, Secretary Mnuchin comes out and, sa- and says this. Let's play the first cut from Thursday from uh, Secretary Mnuchin. We have gone through an exhaustive list of issues. We understand where we are and where they are on a whole bunch of issues. Um, I think there's a lot of issues we are close to a compromised position on, but I think there's a handful of very big issues that we are still very far apart. And we've decided that we will break for the night. Uh, The president called several times while we were meeting. Uh, Mark updated him. Uh, We'll consult with him again this evening and tomorrow morning. Uh, the president's first choice is to do a deal. We've said that. If we conclude tomorrow that there's not a compromised position on the major issues, the president has alternatives and executive orders. But as he's instructed us, his first choice is to try to get legislation that will pass the House and the Senate that he can sign that helps the American people. So that's that was Thursday about... Seven thirty, about seven o'clock, I think, East Coast time. I think maybe a little bit earlier. Maybe I have that timing wrong. But he says basically, we've been talking. We know what our positions are. We've been trying to get them to agree to things, and and we've decided we're not really close. And he says, if we're not settling this soon, we're going to do some executive orders. He even goes further and says this. Let's play the second cut from Mnuchin. If we can't reach an overall, our first choice is a global deal that incorporates everything that's good for the economy, good for American workers, good for kids. If we can't do that, we are willing to do a smaller deal. Uh, We've been willing to do a short-term extension on the enhanced unemployment. We've been willing to do a short-term extension on other issues while we're negotiating. Uh, we're very concerned that these issues exist and we want solutions. So that says, in, in short, they, they've tried to pull this apart. 
The Democrats have been, and I, I'm not going to play, I, I, I can't get a short enough clip, and, and you know my blood pressure can only take so much of Nancy Pelosi. Sorry. Um, I, they, made a state, they made statements to say, basically, we're willing to make a, do a short-term extension. They could have the, 600, the $600 unemployment insurance checks for an additional probably four to six weeks. They probably would have agreed to that, to get them, to get them into September. They probably would have agreed to that. Um, Democrats said said no to that. They want a global deal. And they've been very adamant about that and very public about that. They don't want a short-term deal. But they also, but you, can, you heard the secretary say, if we don't get this, we're willing to look at whatever it is we could possibly do through executive order. What could that possibly look like? Well, we'll tell you right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? (sighs) Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. Did you buy into the timeshare lies? I can tell you that I had a four-year experience with a timeshare corporation who did nothing but lie to me. That swapping locations was easy? They made this sound that this would be a really good deal, that I could go anywhere, anytime I wanted to. That never worked out. Timeshare lies. Thousands of timeshare owners know the feeling. I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I worked for the largest timeshare company in the world. When I learned the truth about what they were selling, I quit my job and instead became the pioneer in helping folks get out of their timeshare contracts legally. I understand that trusting anyone after buying a timeshare is a difficult task. That's why I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. For a free information kit on how to cancel your timeshare, call Wesley Financial Group now. 800-605-5757. 800-605-5757. Relief Factor. Effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. And then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. Now, back to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. So the thing I've heard from so many people on this this piece of um, executive order is, well, he can't do that, right? He can't, he can't just do that. Well... Not clear he can't do that. Indeed, he might be able to. Anyway, let me go back and let's reset. We're talking about this here on here on the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. We are talking about an impasse that seems to have been reached between the 
between Congress and the White House. Congress has said it will, meaning the the House majority and the Senate minority, both both of both wings of the Democratic Party have said they want a global deal. They want th- they want the Heroes Act of three trillion dollars, which includes extending the six hundred dollar unemployment insurance payments, which many people believe have has stopped uh, people from actually actively seeking employment. Now it's been interesting that in the economic policy world in which I work. There have been a few papers published lately from a couple of sources, fairly credible sources, that indicate that they have in fact not, that the the higher unemployment insurance payments have not in fact caused people to um, excessively stay away from work. That on a statistical basis, there's not a statistically significant number of people who can do that. I question the power of any such test. And to go back to a point I made uh, at the beginning of the first hour. Your ability to measure, your ability to measure any of any, the net impact, the net aggregate impact of millions of individual decisions, whether or not it's safe to work, whether or not it's in your interest is another matter. Um, okay, you might you might decide it'd be safe for me to go back to work, but I'm not going to because I got this nice check coming in. Or you might decide I might be able to go find a job someplace, but I don't feel like it's really safe, so I'm going to stay home. And because I'm staying home, I'm not going to go out and spend much money so that extra money that they're sending me, I'm just going to throw in a savings account. The savings rate in this country right now is huge. Is huge. Right? So there's been talk that the unemployment... So the battle over that, over the UI payments, is there. There's lots of other things in here. I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about whether or not we should be bailing out, using the money to send send money to state and local governments. I think they should send some money but they should have they should have a a ball of string wrapped around it not just not just strings attached but there should be so many strings attached that 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 uh state that governors and state legislatures should have to swallow hard before just saying yeah i want that money um make it I, there should be some pain there should be some restrictions that go on that but that said, they're negotiating. In the middle of that negotiation, Governor uh, 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 Secretary Mnuchin has come out and said, "If you can't do it, we're going to do an executive order." They go back on Friday, and they didn't even get to dinner time. By three in the afternoon, Pelosi and Schumer come out and say, "Nope, we're not going to get a deal. We hope we'll we'll be here and ready and waiting uh, for them to talk to us." And then, and then, then Mnuchin and Meadows come back out, and Mnuchin says this. This is actually so. This is not the same presser you heard in the previous segment. This is the following day. This is Friday, August seventh, about three in the afternoon. So, uh, uh, the chief and I will recommend to the president, based upon uh, our lack of activity today, to move forward with some executive orders. I, I, again, we agree with the speaker. This is not the first choice. But people have run out of the enhanced unemployment, so that is something we will recommend an executive order on. Uh, and it relates to rental foreclosures, we will recommend an uh, a executive order on that, and also student loans. So it's going to take a little bit of time for us to finalize these and process them, but we'll do them as quickly as we can because the president wants action. So there are things that he can do. And it's very interesting to me because this all started with a column that was in the Wall Street Journal on Monday of this week, authored by Stephen Moore, who we've talked about before, who was named as a, as a nominee to the Federal Reserve, uh, the, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve, took a lot of flack and ended up pulling out of that, but is still an, an advisor to the president. 
along with Phil Kirpin, who you've heard here on the King Banyan Show. We've had Phil on the show two or three times. Uh, as as uh, I think his current title is, um, uh, he's currently the president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, but he's he's been he's been working in D.C. in the policy world for quite some time. They came out with an article or a column, a short column, to argue uh, on um, in the Monday Wall Street Journal, saying that that they shouldn't negotiate any further with with. Uh, with Congress, with congressional Democrats, and they said, he said, the president needs to pull an end run, and there's a legal way to do that. He should declare a national economic emergency and announce that the Internal Revenue Service will immediately stop collecting the payroll tax. This is technically called a deferral of the tax payments. So it's not giving them a tax cut. It's giving them a tax deferral payment deferral you could give those people a deferral and and it, the article goes on to cite um, a, a, a statement that was done by the IRS in which the IRS already had an executive order in which those of you that waited until July 15th like I did to file your taxes Congress didn't pass a law to do that that was an executive order. Can the president tell you you don't have to settle up your, your income tax for an additional 90 days just on, on his say-so? Yes, it's legal. Section 7, this is from that order, and it was quoted in the Moore and Kirpin piece. Section 7508A of the tax code provides the Secretary of the Treasury with authority to postpone the time for performing certain acts under the internal revenue laws for a taxpayer determined by the secretary to be affected by a federally declared disaster. Per- further, pursuant to section 75- 7508A sub A, a period of up to one year may be disregarded in determining whether the performance of certain acts is timely under the internal revenue laws. That means that as long as you've declared a national emergency, which the president has the right to do as an executive order, the president may delay payments of your Social Security tax for up to a year. Now, those payments still have to be represented somehow, right? What do they propose to do? They propose to take the amount that would have been paid and rather than put in the cash that comes out of the Social Security tax revenue, they would send Treasury bonds. And they would be stored in the Social Security trust. So you go in the trust and basically the the trust has an IOU that says we owe you money, sincerely U.S. taxpayers, based on the promise that this has to be paid back in some way or another. Now, it has to be paid back by a congressional act. But the but the 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 politics of this is what's so delicious. And I know I very seldom like to talk politics on this show. But the politics of this is really interesting because as as these two point out, as Moore and Kirpin point out, what's being what they propose that that President Trump do is almost identical to what President Obama did in 2011. A payroll tax cut extension proposed last night by President Obama as part of his jobs plan. The president asked for a $175 billion one-year extension and expansion of the employee payroll tax holiday now in place, having the tax rate to 3.1% in 2012. He also proposed having employer payroll taxes to 3.1%. The president also wants a complete payroll tax holiday that would apply when companies grew their payrolls by up to $50 million a year by hiring new workers or raising the salaries of existing workers. This is from a Mark Miller piece in Reuters on September 9th of 2011. So they point out the president could, in fact, impose this by executive order, just delay 
the payment of the bills. It actually may be legal. Now, will they go to court to argue this? Probably so. But a federal national economic emergency appears to be within the purview of an executive order. And if you can do that, there is authority to do this. Now, there's also authority to do some other things. You can imagine you can imagine delaying student loan payments. We nationalized the student loan market as part of the Affordable Care Act back in 2009. So pretty much all the money you're, you're paying on your student loans is paid to government. Government can just say, hey, it's cool. You don't have to pay me back for a while. You'll be all right. They can do that. They could, they, could, they could slow down payments of other things. They can repurpose money that's sitting in, uh, in the uh, CARES Act that hasn't been used for SBA, as we discussed with Administrator Carranza last week. They could repurpose that money. They do have some ability here. And that's why I think what you're going to end up with is a bigger, a bigger deal coming out of the Congress than might, you might think right now. He's just got to go. He he probably is going to have to go ahead and start writing these these orders in place to get them done. We'll be back with a final segment after this of the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Hi, this is Lee. And this is Matt from the Kingdom Builders. About 22 years ago, I remember doing my father's roof in Bloomington after a huge hailstorm had gone through. And now he just had me come out and take a look at his roof because he wants to make sure it's okay. 22 years old now. Most roofs in that time era were good for about 20, 25, maybe 30 years. So if you're looking to get an honest assessment on whether your 22-year-old roof is still good, give us a call. Yeah, Lee, I remember that storm too. And as I drive around Burnsville, uh, Bloomington, the South Metro, I see all of these roofs that were replaced back in 1998. And it may be time for an assessment for us to come out and let you know if you have a year or three left or if now is a good time to get those shingles replaced. For an honest assessment on your roof or gutters, give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up on the web at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. Issues of human suffering and societal injustice play incessantly on every outlet around us. Yet, it seems like everywhere you turn, there are more unanswered questions and few honest explanations about why so many of our liberties are under attack. How do we regain order and a sense of normalcy? Find clear answers to the most important questions we face as a nation when you stream morality in the 21st century on Salem Now. This on-demand video discussion with syndicated media host Dennis Prager and distinguished theologian Dr. Wayne Grudem gives you a well-defined understanding about the enemies within our institutions and a vibrant roadmap to protect our God-given liberties. In Morality in the 21st Century, Dennis Prager and Wayne Grudem confront the toughest social issues of today by digging deep into religious and political history and through never-before-told personal stories provide a clear direction for a visionary future. Visit SalemNow.com to stream Morality in the 21st Century and type in the code MINNEAPOLIS for a 20% discount. That's SalemNow.com, promo code MINNEAPOLIS. We are there, day one with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Daily headlines, investing guidance, and insightful financial discussion are just a tap away with our free mobile app. Simply search for Business 1440 in the App Store, and in seconds, you'll be connected with the brightest minds in business and investing. Whoa, look at all these options. You could fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream Business 1440. Top shelf choices include TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, our free app, and Radio.com. Now, back to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. 
Well, I told you I would get back to this, and I'm going to. Actually, I was just ramping up on this when we realized we had a, a little bit of a, a failure to get the show up and running at the beginning of uh, the 9 o'clock hour. So let me, uh, let me return to this now, and, and we'll do what we can in the, our remaining time. On, uh, I believe this is in the weekend paper. I'm, not, I, I, I'm looking to see if I can find, figure out. It may just be online. Uh, but Neil Kashkari, who's the president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve, I've interviewed him. I'm a fan. I like this fellow a lot. Um, and then Michael Osterholm, who you've probably seen, used to be, uh, is the director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the U of M. Um, and uh, is a fairly well-known fellow. He's he's on TV pretty constantly, indeed. Uh, Indeed, they, I think they've dedicated a studio to him so that he can be on pretty much whenever he, whenever he's called upon to, to be on a show right now. He's, he's pretty popular. I can't do justice to the entire piece uh, in the time I have, but uh, in, in six minutes, but I will do what I can. It basically says we didn't do a good enough job locking down. We, we ended too early, which is a story you've heard. What was interesting to me, I want to find this particular piece here. Um, uh, He talks about, uh, we just had the period where we've documented the most new cases in one week period since the pandemic began. Always want to keep track of how many tests are we doing. You can find new cases only by doing new tests. So, a number on cases without a positivity rate, to me, does not make much sense. Um, it, you know, it does not make much sense. The, the, the problem has been, I think, think two things. That, I'll, well, let me, get, let me tell you what's wrong with their article, then if I can, I'll give you an answer of what I think has happened instead and why that rate has gone up. The problem with the March to May lockdown, he writes, is not, is the pro- was, not, was that it was not uniformly stringent across the country. 39% of workers, according to the Economic Policy Institute, which is a center-left think tank, uh, are in essential categories. The problem was governments got to pick who was essential. And in Minnesota, 78% of the workers were considered essential which may be one reason why our unemployment rate did not rise nearly as much as other places. And apparently it would appear to me that, that Dr. Osterholm and, and President Kashkari believe that the unemployment rate should have risen further, that we didn't put enough people out of work to fight the pandemic. I'm not sure how else to interpret what they've said. Yes, they say we're better at we're we're better at figuring out how to keep people safe when they go to the clinics. The lockdown is does not mean that you can't get access to health care for other issues. But the problem is, I thought the flattening of the curve was to make room for COVID patients. If you look at the case, if you look at the case rates, they've grown dramatically, and the, and they're right to call that out. But if you look at the hospitalization rates, if you look at the ICU rates, they don't look like they've gone up nearly so dramatically and they might be well the worst is yet to come um and and so and so they write and so let me get to let me get to the part that's kind of like oh you really should know better than this particularly president kashkari and again i'm a fan i'm a fan this piece Millions of low-wage frontline workers have lost their jobs and put in harm's way while most higher-wage white-collar workers have been spared but it's even more unfair than that. Those of us who kept our jobs are actually saving more money because we aren't going out to restaurants or movies or on vacations. Unlike in prior recessions, remarkably, the personal savings rate has soared to 20% from around 8% in January. Okay, this sounds like John Maynard Keynes in 1931 urging British housewives to go out and spend money so that British industry could go back to work. This sounds exactly like that, except they don't want you to go out and spend the money because sending you out to spend the money would mean that you were increasing infections. Because we are saving more, we have the resources to support those who have been laid off. 
Typically, when the government runs deficits, it must rely on foreign investors to buy the debt because Americans aren't generating enough savings to fund it. But we can finance the added deficits for COVID-19 relief from our own domestic savings. We're getting dangerously close to to modern monetary theory here, uh, President Kashkari. I think we're getting a little close to that. Those savings end up funding investments in the economy. No, they won't. You're going to use that to print treasury bills to shoot money out the other door in transfer payments to keep those people out of work. It's not going to fund investments. That's why traditional concerns about racking up too much government debt do not apply in this situation. It's much safer to fund its deficits domestically than from abroad. No, it's not. Not when you have the reserve currency of the world. When you have the reserve currency of the world, people demand your dollars. You print them, you send them off, you bring goods and services back into the marketplace, you let people here buy those, the consumption goes up, and everything's fine. Unless, of course, you're buying aluminum from Canada. I guess that's a bad thing. But leave that as it may. Congress should be aggressive in supporting people who have lost jobs because of COVID-19. It's not only the right thing to do, but also vital for economic recovery. Why? To drive the savings rate up to 25%? If people can't pay their bills, is there evidence of that? It will ripple through the economy and make the downturn much worse, with many more bankruptcies and the national recovery much slower. I don't think the national recovery has been too bad so far. It's kind of like, ooh, you came out on the same day that the unemployment rate dropped more than was expected, that we're on the precipice of going below 10%. Nothing to be happy about. This is not victory. And as I've said, the next line of this is going to go, the, the next stage of this recovery is going to go much slower than what you've had so far. The first shape looks like a V, but the second piece looks looks much flatter, and that flattening will continue for a while. I expect the next growth rate to be less than the 1.8 we got this time, and the less after that, and that was going to continue for a while. But this, this would not help, and this fact would be going backwards. Thank you, Jason, for your work today. I appreciate it very much. I I hope you do get out to play some golf. Um, thank you for listening to this Job Saturday here, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the King Banyan Show here on Business 1440. Runners, to your mark. Set. Some may see a sprinter. At the NFHS, we see a future leader already off to the races. Some may see a volleyball player. Good hit! Way to go, girl! At the NFHS, we see a spike in confidence that will help her achieve her potential. What else do we see? Musicians learning to march to their own beat. We're the NFHS the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and activities in America, helping today's teenagers develop the skills they need to become tomorrow's leaders. And we see it happening in communities across Minnesota every single day. Learn more about the NFHS commitment to youth at NFHS.org. This message presented by the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you'll receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, Forever Cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. 
Attention homeowners. Do you have a house that's in need of serious repairs? Do you have tenants that never seem to make their monthly payments? How about code violations, past due taxes, or maintenance costs you just can't afford? Then call my friends right now with Quick Cash Offer. They specialize in buying any home, no matter how ugly the situation. Turn that problem property into cash right now. It's just that simple. One call and you can get rid of that home headache forever. They buy the ugliest houses with instant Instant closings, instant cash, and huge savings. Plus, there are no realtor fees, no listing fees, and no repair costs. Just cash in your hands for that painful property. They're buying a few more houses in your neighborhood this month. So take advantage of this cash offer and call Quick Cash Offer now. 800-775-4514. 800-775-4514. That's 800-775-4514. 